the sermon is titled, Leap for Joy. And I'd like to ask you all to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. You know, the, the practice of dedication, if, if you weren't aware, um, it comes from Scripture as well as baptism. Uh, in, the, in the book of 1 Samuel, if you've never read it, chapter 1 and 2, uh, Hannah dedicates her son Samuel to the Lord. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful passage. Um, I wish we could read it all, but it, it would take a while. Um, but if you get a chance, it's, it's in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 1 and 2. So in Luke chapter 6... Um, we have a very famous teaching of Jesus, but one that I want to investigate a little bit more tonight. Uh, if you've been here in recent weeks, you know that we are just spending the summer going through teachings of Jesus. What did Jesus say and why did he say it? And what in the world can we do with it now, almost 2,000 years later, from the teachings of a first century Jewish rabbi? Uh, and so I'm going to start by reading the text and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll discuss it. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Verses 20 to 26. Jesus says this, Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you already have received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, This is kind of an odd question, but what makes you leap for joy? I mean, have you ever physically leapt for joy? Like like jumped. You know, I, I was thinking about this in my life, and maybe you're more demonstrative than I am. Um, But I was thinking, there hasn't been a lot of moments in my life where I've actually jumped for joy, at least not since I was a child. Uh, I remember growing up in... um Growing up in California, there was this one ice cream place called Thrifty we always wanted to go to, and, and um, I remember occasionally we'd get to go, and I'd always get the pistachio ice cream, which was this green ice cream, and it, instead of scoops, it kind of came in like a cylinder form, and I just loved it. And I remember as a kid, whenever we got ice cream, it was sort of a, yeah, you know, jump for joy. But as an adult, I'm sitting here thinking, when, when was the last time I jumped for joy? You know, maybe when I got into the university I went to, I was pretty happy at 17, M- maybe you know, I mean, honestly, it sounds bad, but I'm thinking, I don't ever remember physically jumping for joy when I got married, when I got engaged, when, like, I, I, I got a job I wanted. I mean, it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, and so, again, maybe you're more demonstrative than I am, but what makes you want to leap for joy? You know, Jesus here in this text actually says something that many of us would not consider worth leaping for joy at. So let's go through this and see if we can try to get at what he was saying. In verse 20, he starts by saying something that none of us would ever want to hear. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, 
I'm going to be really honest with you all. I don't want to be poor. I've never been in abject poverty, but I know what it is to, to, to want something and not be able to afford it. I know what it is to work really hard and have no results. I know what it is to feel like everyone has more than you. And I, to be completely honest, I don't want that feeling again. That's why I went to school. It's why we study. It's why we work hard. It's why we update our CV and try to get it just so, so that we can get the job with the better pay so that we don't have to be poor. But, but see, in the church, what's interesting about this is some people have even taken this, and I've mentioned it, I think, in here before, is this thing called the poverty gospel. Has anyone ever heard of this? Some people actually think that when Jesus said this, he said that all Christians should be poor and that, and that we should give everything away and, and, and that we should live as Jesus lived. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, Jesus was actually homeless the last couple of years of his life. But it's not what he's saying, I don't think. I don't think he's saying that we should all be in abject poverty, and I don't think he's saying, as some preachers might say, that he wants us all to be wealthy and wants us all to have everything we need, because that's not realistic either. One of the things he's talking about here is, you notice the second line he says this is, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that we should not worry so much about money, we should not worry so much about circumstance, but we should be concerned about the kingdom of God. Are we bringing the kingdom of God to earth? And so what I want to just say about verse 20 is, is don't be afraid. Jesus isn't calling you to sell everything you have like the rich young ruler and get rid of it all now. What he's saying and what I believe he's getting at when you read the Gospels is that we ought to be praising, we ought to be worshiping outside of circumstance. Outside of circumstances, whether we have all or or don't have all. Because in verse 21, he gives us another thing we don't like. He says, blessed are you who are hungry. And and now some of you may be actually a little hungry right now. Some of you may be desiring food. I know I am. I'm very excited to eat after church. But he's not talking about hunger in between meals. He's talking about those who live in a state of maybe not having enough. He's talking about those people who no matter what they do, just don't have enough. We see it on the news. We see it with famine. We see it with war. He's saying, blessed are these people. He also says, blessed are those who weep. You know, what's interesting about Jesus is he says these things that don't really make sense to us. But when I read this, in light of all of the Gospels, and many of you know this, that when we hear these things, we know that these aren't necessarily things we should seek out, but that this is how God works. That God comforts those who are poor. That God can comfort those who are hungry. You know, one of the interesting things is when I look at this text and when I read this text, is that we see this sort of countercultural idea. You know, what is the goal of our society? The goal of our society is to not be poor and to not be hungry. And, and it's sort of this weird thing that when we read it, we get this kind of fight inside of us wondering what to do. Because if we believe in something, if you believe in something with conviction, as, as, as Ben and Agatha stood here today and say they believe in Jesus Christ, then, then by the very nature of believing in something, you're also saying that... Uh, that you do not believe in everything else. By standing and saying, I believe in this, you are then saying that those other things out there I do not believe in. See, and so what this does is actually creates adversaries in life. 
It creates people who say, oh, you are over there and I am over here and you do not believe what I believe. And so if you say you are a follower of Jesus, as this audience wanted to be, remember, he's talking to a big group of people, not just the 12 disciples, but a big group. And he's sort of saying these things, hey, do you guys really want to do this? Are you really sure? Because, Because this is what God is talking about. And so this leads then, if we believe in something, we will have adversaries. And Jesus addresses this in verse 22. And this is the thing he says we ought to jump for joy or leap for joy about. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of your belief in Jesus. Other translations will say things like, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Now, now persecution is sort of foreign to many of us. You know, some of you may know a little bit about what this is like. Some of you may have been rejected because of your faith by a loved one or a friend. Some of you may have had hard conversations or been judged because of your faith. But there's many levels of this, isn't there? You know, two weeks ago, I went to a meeting with some leaders from the persecuted church. And, and I sort of saw some things around the world that you don't see on the news, you know. So heard some stories of people on the ground in Yemen and in Syria of what's really happening. And it broke my heart. That there are people around the world still being beaten and killed and imprisoned because they say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And, and the scary thing is, is the number of these people being persecuted is growing around the world. In places like Yemen and Syria, in places like Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia and North Korea and Vietnam and Laos, there are these underground networks of churches where Christians are meeting secretly because if they do what we are doing now, they will either be arrested, beaten, or worse. And Jesus says that if this happened to us, (laughs) that we should leap for joy. This is hard. I'm not quite sure why people think Jesus was just this nice guy. You know, why Jesus was just this buddy, this friend, this, oh, he just cared about loving people. No, Jesus says, if you believe in me, bad things might happen to you. Why is this so difficult for us? You know, I mentioned that Jesus was a first century Jewish rabbi, and I want to just address contextually what was happening here and what he might have been getting at. You know, as I said, he was not just talking to a small group, he was talking to a lot of people who would be interested in following him. And so he's just sort of saying, hey, do you really believe this stuff? Are you really on board with this? You know, and, and, and... Let me just train us. Some of you may be from an Eastern culture or from a communal culture, but many of us are from Western cultures, and many of us come from individual cultures. We must remember that Jesus was Middle Eastern. Jesus came from a communal culture, okay? And so we have this sort of Greek thought and Socratic method and individuality and capitalism in our brains. But when it came to Jesus, when he talks about wealth, he was talking about wealth for everyone. He was talking about a communal culture. He was talking in a way that doesn't make sense to us because we've isolated ourselves. I mean, think about how well we have done to isolate ourselves from all hardship. I mean, this is the goal of life, right? 
You work hard so that you can have a nice job so that then you don't have to be in the bad neighborhood. You don't have to see the suffering. You can be in a nice neighborhood. And, and, and you tithe and you give money to a church so that you can come to church and that the church then can separate ourselves and we can do these things and, 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 and control how we, how we see suffering and hardship and hunger. You know, we have trained ourselves in Western culture to isolate and to compartmentalize. Communal cultures way back then were forced to embrace suffering because they lived together. And if someone was sick or hurting, they would all know about it because they were always together. If someone was hungry in their neighborhood, they would know about it because they were always together. And so when he says something like this, we need to realize that to first understand this, we need to actually care. Now, now this may seem sort of harsh, and I don't say it to offend you because I'm guilty of it too. We need to actually care what is happening outside and around us. We need to actually care what is happening in the world. We need to stop isolating ourselves so much and see what's out there. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, how do we do this? You know, we're so busy working and we're so busy with our friends and we're so busy with all of the chores and tasks we have to do. Many of you are thinking, oh gosh, I have this busy week coming up and I have all of these little things to get done tonight before I go to sleep and making lists and everything. And, and, and how do we do this? Well, let me first start by saying this. If you are in regular community with others, if you are regularly giving time to friends and neighbors of all different kinds, whether it's in work, whether you're part of a home group, whether it's, you have a group of people you do a hobby with, whatever it is, you're going to notice when something happens, right? If you're regularly meeting with people, you're going to notice when you don't see someone for a while. And you're going to be able to say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. What's happening? What's going on? And then that person will say, oh, well, you know, I, I've been taking care of my mother because she's really sick. Oh, hey, I've been having a lot of health problems and I just haven't been able to leave the house on weekends. See, we need to just start by getting outside of ourselves. Don't worry about what's happening around the world just yet. What's happening in your neighborhood? Do you have a friend who's struggling financially? Do you have a friend who's struggling and maybe doesn't have the money and skips lunch every day just because they can't afford it? Would you know that? See, when the door is open, when we open the door to our lives and stop isolating and stop building up walls around us, it opens it up for us to be able to see other people and experience what they experience. But if you're not willing to give of yourself first, and you've isolated yourself, then you won't even know when people are struggling. You won't even know when people around you are hurting. You won't even understand what Jesus is talking about, about being persecuted because of your belief or sharing in the sufferings of others, because you're just looking at yourself. The Bible, as, as a book for, commu- or for individuality, makes almost no sense. And this is a communal book meant to be read together, meant to be worshipped together, meant to be investigated together. Yes, we do it individually. But as a community, this book comes alive. And Jesus is saying all of these to these people, remember, who wanted to be his disciples. And he's saying, do you really get this? Are you really willing to enter into life with the poor? Are you really willing to enter into life with the hungry and those who are persecuted? Because here's the alternative. In verse 24, 25, and 26, he says, Woe to you who are rich, for you already have what you want. 
Woe to you who are well fed, for one day you will go hungry. Woe to you who are laughing, because one day you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when men speak well of you, because that is how they treated the false prophets. You know, Jesus was really intense. (laughs) Jesus was a really hard teacher. But people flocked to him because he didn't mince words. He didn't say the things people wanted to hear. He said things that were true. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, with authority, people were flocking to him because he was bringing something that the world had not seen before. Who God really was. And if you read on in this passage, you'll see some really even more hard teachings. He said, if someone comes to you and strikes you, hit him back. No, he says, if he hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone comes to you asking for, you know, your shirt, give to him your cloak also. If someone comes to you and says, hey, walk with me one mile, Jesus says, no, go with him two miles. This is the foundation for all. See, people want to go right to the, oh, love your neighbor and care for one another and blah, blah, blah. That's great and that's wonderful. But if you don't understand that we're doing it because we believe in the name of Jesus Christ and are willing to be persecuted because of that name, the other stuff is empty and does not matter. And this is what we saw with Ezekiel. That reading in Ezekiel is, is, is also a very difficult reading. Ezekiel was a prophet who God called who had never sinned. He had never broken the, ma- the law of Moses in the Old Testament. And God called him to something very difficult. To take the burden of the sins of his people. To go through difficulties and persecution. He gave him, it says in verses 9 and 10 of Ezekiel, he gave him a scroll to eat. And that's an imagery of Ezekiel harnessing and living this word of God. And you remember what was on the scroll? Sadness, suffering, lament. He said to Ezekiel, hey, if you follow me, if you do this, it's not going to be easy. But the people need to hear it because they are rebellious. People need to know you love them because they're selfish. People need to know who God is because they're so invested in their selves. And God lifted Ezekiel up so that he could bear this burden. God lifted Ezekiel up through the power of the Spirit so that he could stand tall. I love that verse. In Ezekiel, it says that the Holy Spirit entered him and he sort of stood up. In Hebrew, it says he, 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 he was sort of made upright. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to stand. It's sort of like if you've ever seen one of those big inflatable Christmas decorations. You know, you turn it on, it goes, starts blowing air in it, and then it just goes, and it pops up. Or have you ever seen these, the, the, the bouncy castles? You know, these are my favorite things, by the way. It, one day, we're going to have to have a party where we get, I don't know, if, do they have them in Switzerland? These, these big bounce houses, yeah? They're the best. Because then you have the kids' time, and then afterwards you say, okay, kids, get out, and then all the adults get in, and someone leaves with a bloody nose. It's awesome. But th- this is the image I always get in my head. You see those things on the ground. They're just sort of a tarp, just laying there. There's nothing to them. And then you turn on that fan, and as the fan goes, it just goes, starts kind of, and all of a sudden just pops right up. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. Jesus came and he taught these things and said, one of the things I will give you is the Holy Spirit so that you can pop up and stand upright. And what's amazing about Jesus and his teaching is that he knew someone would rebel, he knew that people would reject it, but he didn't care. 
And what's amazing, and in life as a pastor and talking with people, this is one of the biggest things that people struggle to see, is that we've just become too comfortable in our life. We've just become too comfortable and just created these little outlets where we expose ourselves to a little suffering here, and a little bit of hardship here, and a little bit of community here. And when someone asks us to pray, we immediately we come and we think, oh gosh, I really need prayer for this, but what will they think if I say it out loud? So I'll just sort of give, you know, oh, uh, um, yeah, pray for my job. When really you're thinking, pray for my boss because he is being really unfair and it's really hard and I'm thinking violent thoughts about him. What would someone thought if you said that? See, I just want you to think about your life and think about what God might be calling you to do. Maybe you need, if your life is going really well, maybe you need to find someone in your community who is mourning or who is struggling and enter into life with them. Maybe you need to look and see that you've actually built up really big walls to isolate yourself from everyone so that people don't hurt you, so that people don't take advantage of you. Because it's happened before. Maybe you need to be a little bit less like a big, imposing, scary fortress and more like a bouncy castle. You know, maybe you need to be a little bit more inviting. You know, what makes us want to leap for joy more than a bouncy castle? See, leaping for joy is not just when we share in the sufferings of Christ, but it's at all times because of Christ. It's whether things are good or bad. Whether we're praising God or whether we're wishing that things were better, leaping for joy is something we do regardless of circumstance. And even though this is hard because we're fortunate and we're wealthy and we're well-fed, we hear stories about the world and we think, what in the world am I supposed to do? We pray, we give a little money, maybe we give a little bit of time. We feel bad because we want, maybe want to do more, but we don't really know how. I believe something that many of you know, I believe God is what we call sovereign. In Psalm 139, the verse that we had up there for Kalen, one of the things it says is that God knows every single one of our days before they came to be. And so if you are here and you're wondering, what can I do? How can I love more? How can I stand up for what I believe in more? How can I expose myself to see suffering around me in a way that honors God? How can I do that? Know this. That God has you here and now for a reason and a purpose. God has you in the place where you are at in work, in school, with friends, with relationships for a reason. There are plenty of people to love in this city. There are plenty of people who need redemption in this city. There are plenty of people suffering that need help and that need community and that need a friend. This is a city that's over 30% of people from somewhere else. And we all know this if we come from somewhere else. The first thing we need to find is community because there's nothing more depressing than being in a new place and spending week after week after week just watching Netflix. I mean, I love it for the first weekend, but then the second or third weekend, I'm just thinking, what am I doing with my life? Guys, there are people around you who need to know the love of Christ. There are people around you who need to know that there is a God who loves them, and you need to open yourself up to what they are going through. You need to open your heart to who they are, and you may encounter opposition. You may have someone reject you. You may invite someone to church, and they say, no, that's stupid. I can't believe you would believe in God. And Jesus says, when that happens, leap for joy, because he knows how it feels. 
Because he, above all else, knows what it was to be rejected by one of his closest friends to be sold for 30 pieces of silver to death. When you encounter suffering or injustice, do not run away. Remember, the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus Christ, fills you up and stands you up to all that you might endure. And like Ezekiel, we have that same spirit within us. We have that same spirit that gives us the strength to endure all things. You know, Jesus was a hard teacher, and he said some hard things. And I once had someone ask me, why would anyone follow this way of life? You know, one of the things he says we'll get to later is, is, is a great teaching. He says that, you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I once heard a critic say, why in the world would anyone follow this guy? He's telling them that they might be homeless. They might have to abandon their family. They might do all of these things. The reason is the things we sing about. The reason is the things that we know. It is because of the cross of Jesus Christ and because of what he endured, we are forgiven. And we think of all of these luxuries and these things we have, but we have been afforded that luxury to know we are forgiven. We have been afforded that luxury to know that we have the Holy Spirit, that we can go out and share that with the world. That as we stand upright, other people might see you and say, wow, what is it that person has that's made them stand upright in the midst of hardship and in the midst of this dark world? Please pray with me. Lord, we come before you now asking. Lord, we ask that we would know what this passage means. That we would understand what it means to open our lives up to the poor and the hungry and the suffering. Lord, that we would not place all of our goals on achieving satisfaction and wealth, God. But that we would look around where you have placed us and see what you have for us. Lord, we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.